Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Welcome to this edition of Wine and Dime with Amy Irvine. Today's guest is Justin Crane, and I think you're going to laugh as much as I did when you listen to this podcast. Justin has a book called Money you got this. It's dealing with your money. You know, he knows that it can be overwhelming and stressful, especially when you don't understand all the financial mumbo. Justin takes every funny life experience and turns them into simple money strategies. You won't be bored reading the book or listening to this podcast. In fact, we think you'll feel empowered and have some money clarity. You'll be ready to take on your own financial life at the next level. I think you'll have a riot listening to this podcast. So sit on back, grab your favorite beverage and enjoy the show. Well, Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us on Wine and Dime. Thank you so much. It's great to be here, Amy. I will tell the audience that in the short time that I've spoken with you, this is going to be one heck of a fun show. I can already tell. I'm already um, having uh, wine and appetizers and it's very early in the morning. <laughs> hey, mimosas work. Right. <laughs> Well, as you know, I usually start the podcast with uh, my favorite part of it. One of my favorite parts, there's actually several, but one of my favorite parts and asking, uh, you know, what's your favorite wine? What are you drinking right now? Do you have a particular selection you'd like to recommend? Yeah. So my favorite wine is called Rosso di Montalcino. And that is a Sangiovese wine from a city in Tuscany. And I lived in Italy for two years. So I'm pretty well versed in Italian wines, and I've even been to Vinitaly, which is the huge, huge, huge world wine show in Verona. That's insane. And we can talk about that for the entire show, and everyone will just know about that. I want you to pronounce the name of the wine again, because yeah. this is one that a lot of people say incorrectly. So it's, it's Rosso, Rosso mm-hmm. di Montalcino. Mm-hmm. And it's a Sangiovese, you said. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, For many years, I called it Sangiovese. Oh, God. (laughs) I know. It's all good. (laughs) It's delicious wine, though. Um, What I I love to tell people is it's the Chianti that isn't Chianti. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, wonderful. We'll have to look that one up. I um, do not have a bottle of wine open yet, but I will by the end of today. And I was thinking about drinking maybe a rosé tonight. I'm not sure. I'm still deciding. A buddy of mine just started a new rosé company out of, I think, either Provence and somewhere in France. Mm -hmm. I can hook you up with him. 
He's a big rosé guy. You know, it's interesting about rosés. A lot of people, including myself, used to think that rosé was pretty much a predominantly a Pinot Noir grape that was used. But so and there's so much more out there with rosés. So yeah, it's fun. It is. It is. Well, digging in, since you've already kind of given us a teaser that you lived in Italy, which our team is going to be completely jealous of because we recently did an exercise, a team exercise, and we were asked if we could live anywhere for a year, what would it be? And three of us actually said Italy. <laughs> Oh my god. So, so let's let's start sort of at the beginning though. Kind of give us a little bit of background and and um tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've gotten gotten to be where you are right now, the formation wow. of your vineyard. Yeah, so I like my whole like really journey is has been a result of not being present, aware, conscious and um real. Not like not that I've been fake, but just dealing with reality and 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 working through that and my i'll just go personally and then i'll and i'll bring it into as a financial advisor so i had a very very rough divorce at age 40 and it was um it was very hard and that was a result of me not really being aware present really thinking through what i want uh and not being um i guess you could say something like taking, making decisions and taking action for what's important to me. And I felt like as, as painful as that was, it was God showing me the way that there's a better path mm. and there's a way to get through things rather than go around them. So I believe that, you know, to be successful in life and in business, you have to work on yourself and you have to be willing to deal. And that started when I was 40 and ah, maybe 38, cause it was 10 years ago. And through that, I grew my business as well and um, worked on myself. I mean, I go to therapy once a week. Um, I mean, I could go on and on. But really, my journey is not really being present, not being aware to becoming more aware and taking action and making decisions based on my reality. Mm. So there's a lot to unpack in that little journey that you just mentioned. (laughs) Um, Not being aware. Like how... Explain to us what you mean by that. So you could like, you could, you could kind of know that you're not happy or something's wrong, but you might not talk about it. You might just accept it. And, um, you might just kind of settle and just kind of float through life. You know, Tony Robbins has that example where like you're on the river and the raft and the river is just kind of taking you where you're going versus you putting a paddle in and deciding where you're going to swim. So my reality was just like floating through life and just Mm -hmm. accepting things versus saying, what is it that I want and how can I make that happen? And what's important to me and how do I have to create a life that works for me? Okay. So, so that started when you started, I mean, did it start when you started going through the divorce or did it start earlier on? What was that realization? Uh, After, afterwards, after I got divorced And, and then it's just been, um, a, a, a series of working on myself, thinking through what's important to me, being more aware, um, you know, uh, just a lot, a lot, but it's, it's a good thing. It was really hard, but I'm still, you know, I got my oar in the water. I'm paddling. I got my wine in my left hand, my oar in my right, and I'm making it happen. <laughs> so let's back up to the younger Justin. Like what, what drove you, um, what drove you like in college, well, high school, college, and then, you know, later in, in, in your career? Well, I was a ranked tennis player 
And tennis is a sport like golf where you're really playing against yourself. You don't have mm-hmm. teammates. Even though you're playing against someone in tennis, you're really playing against yourself. Because if you have all the shots and you're competitive, it's really just your mindset of how you see yourself, um, the issues that you're working through on the court. So when I was a ranked tennis player, like my first year that I really played seriously, I didn't win one match until the last match, or I say tournament, like my, you know, you go first round, if you win, you go to the second round. I didn't win a first round match until the end of the year. So, and I really like learned from that is that I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe mm-hmm. that I deserved to win. And then I had what it takes, had, yeah, I had what it takes to advance And, um, I mean, that's just, that's, you know, as a teenager, you don't, you're not really thinking that through, you're not, you're not, (laughs) you're not there. And part of that, um, that, that parlayed into my career, because I worked at a big wall street firm and I wasn't happy and I did nothing about it because I didn't believe that I had what it takes to leave and start my own business. I didn't have the confidence and I would call it the prosperity mindset. Yeah. <laughs> and be like, you know what? I'm going to create and manifest the life that I want. And when did you become a CFE? When did you actually take that step? Um, hold on. I'm walking over to the frame. <laughs> I got it in my office. Uh, 2005. Okay. So around the same time as me, actually. Um, I had worked in brutal test. That was tough. It it was, I had worked in the profession for several years, a number of years before that, and then decided to sit for the CFP exam. I actually think it was 2006 for me. Um, but yeah, two, two day, you know, 10 hour exam. It was, it was brutal. It still is brutal. Uh, it's, it's definitely brought, come up with technology. Uh, we just had somebody on our team who took it this past uh, March, right before the testing center shut down. She wow. got, yeah, she was the last person, like last test group to actually participate um, wow. before the pandemic shut the testing wow. center down. So she was wow. very lucky from that perspective and and fortunately um, passed on her first try as well. So cool. thrilled for her. That's so awesome. what, you know, was there any influences that sort of drove you towards finance in general? Um, you know, how did you, how did you pick that field uh, to be interested in? I was one of those kids that like loved comic books and baseball cards and like collecting them and having them worth more and seeing it grow and all of that. I just loved investing just that concept. I think it's cool. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything as a kid that sort of drove you in that direction at all? Mm, No, just collecting stuff. Collecting stuff. Yeah. Like collecting stuff and like seeing if it grows and making money on it and like building equity and and all that kind of stuff. And you also, you also have a podcast, correct? I do. Tell us a yeah. little bit about that. And what, what made, what made you decide to do that? Um, okay. So the podcast is called money. You got this. And, um, we talk about money, life and business kind of what I think we're talking about now and what we'll probably talk more about. Um, I wrote a book also called money. You got this. So it's an extension of that. And the book, um, is hilarious. It's, I had so much fun writing it. It's, I wrote it for like anyone, but some weird reason, like the millennials, the 20 and 30 year olds, they love it. <laughs> I wrote it in the way that I talk. And um, it's basically a book about crazy, funny life stories that I've had or that I know people that have had. And I come up with a money tip and a money lesson. And the pages are like two pages. They're bookended by like a key takeaway. And you could even, I can say this, you could have a glass of wine and open it up on page 42, put it down, have another glass of wine, open up page 212, 
read one page, put it down and you're done. Like it's great. Yeah. Well, what's interesting is that's, that's sort of, so my book called uncork your finances was actually driven off the podcast. So I actually did it. You know, I did did the podcast and then decided to write the book and it's a very thin book and it was intentionally very thin. Like I wanted people to be able to sit down and actually read a chapter. And in my book, I actually do recommend a a glass of wine. chapter. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You don't have to follow those particular recommendations. But for example, when we talk about taxes, we say, grab a port. Come on, let's settle it. (laughs) I mean, yeah, mine, I write that every chapter is funny. That's a funny title. Like you're like, what? So it's, it's, I really want it to be engaging and fun. And, and when you, so I want to dig into that comment that you just made. I want it to be engaging and fun. A lot of people think when you're in finance, like this is dry, boring stuff. And in parts of it certainly are. I mean, there's some technical stuff that we dig into that I guess would be to us, maybe exciting to other people, dry and boring. But one of the things that I, one of the reasons I set out to, to do this podcast was because um, wine and finance have this similar sense of people can be afraid of it or they can it's pretentious or all that sort of thing. And when you when you actually peel down the layers, it's all an educational journey. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. It's mm-hmm. all an educational journey. Either way, whether you're talking about wine or you're talking about finance. And your podcast and the book that you wrote, it's really the same thing, right? You're talking about peeling it down to a level that people can actually relate to and enjoy and learn from. Yes. Thank you. Wow. I have to use that snippet because yeah, Amy, you're awesome. You're my new marketing department. Thank you. Thanks. (laughs) But when you wrote it and when you started the podcast, I mean, there was something that drove you. Like for me, it was, I wanted to, I love wine and I love finance and I wanted people to understand that they don't have to be afraid of either of them. When you decided to do this book, what, you know, and, and the podcast, what were your thoughts behind that? Okay. So I'll tell you what my thoughts were and now I'll tell you what they are. So my thought in writing the book is like, wow, this is really cool. It can help me grow my business because I'm a, I'm a very, I guess I'm a pretty big marketer and I understand that, um, you know, a book could help me launch my platform. I mean, I've studied with like really brilliant marketers and they're like, you don't need a platform to launch a book. You launch a book and build your platform along the way. And at the end, you'll have a bigger platform. Mm -hmm. So the book was a series of email newsletters that I wrote that was bookended and packaged in a way that could become a book, which it did. So I didn't even know I was writing a book when I wrote these newsletters. But when I wrote these newsletters every week, everyone who's on my list was like, this is insane. This is hilarious. What are you talking? Mm -hmm. This is awesome. I love it. I'm having my cousin get on, you know, whatever. And then I'm like, I got to write a book from it. So I wrote the book as, as a way to grow my business. But now I'm looking at my book differently. It's it's part of my legacy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it, 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 Someone can read it in 100 years. And that to me is super cool. I didn't even realize what I was doing when I did it for that reason. And now I'm like, oh my God, this is great. It's really cool. And then during that period, I mean, so the book came after you started your own firm, right? I mean, that yeah. came, came later. Yeah. What um, I'm going to take a step back and ask a question, like what drove you to decide? I know you said that you went through an awful lot, but what, what drove you to decide, you know, I think, I think I'll launch my own firm. I'll become my own quote unquote boss to a certain extent. What was the big decider there? Um, I think it has to do with values and congruence. And I left UBS in 2008 and started my own firm then. And, you know, the Wall Street firms, they're just there. It's a little bit more sales commission. And like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know about fee only or fiduciary. Like, I don't know any of that stuff. 
you know, I was on the dark side. I had no clue. I, I didn't know that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. That's a key thing. Like in life, if you don't know that you don't know, you can't really make change unless you're aware that you don't know. So when I got my CFP and had to do continuing education, there was this whole other side of financial planning that I really didn't know and wasn't that aware of which is something called financial life planning, which is really the big thing that I do mm-hmm. is, you know, I believe in return on life. So what drove me to leave was that I wanted to give financial advice and charge for it. And I couldn't do that at the time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want other people telling me how I can run my business. I wanted to make decisions based on what I thought was right. And as I got more into that, I started to become what I you know said at the beginning, more aware, more conscious and Mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. Well, so what's interesting to me about your, your background or your, your history is that not only did you launch that at that time, but you launched it in the middle of a economic crisis. I know. How about that, Amy? Great. Cousin. <laughs> I, that takes some guts. I got to admit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there must've been great conviction behind that I, to, to feel that driven during that period of time. February, 2008 is, is at least what I noticed when I did the research. And so, you know, that was really still in the very thick of it. That was in the middle of the, the um, debt crisis for people wondering what I'm referring to and got worse uh, once, once you launched your own firm, what were some of the things that went through your mind? And I bring this up because people listening sometimes are, they're wanting to be entrepreneurs and they are afraid. Mm-hmm. And um, we talk a lot on the show about, Yes, fear is a good thing, but don't let it be everything. Yeah. And so when I notice something about somebody that says, oh, February of 2008, in the middle of a major economic crisis in the United States, somebody decided to launch their own business in the financial planning business, by the way, um, you know, that took some some courage. So what what went through your head? And, and, and I'm particularly interested in it because of a comment that you made about your own um, conscious state, you know, being aware and being in the moment. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, you said the big word, which is courage. And to me, this isn't like the word of the year anymore. It's like a, a <laughs> word for like, just me is like, like courage is such, even now with coronavirus, like I want people to have the courage to take action, to do what they want, even though they're afraid, mm-hmm. because it generally doesn't, it doesn't end as bad as you think. And it might end really well, or you might learn something from it regardless. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I went through my entire client list and I'm like, okay, I made three columns. Like, will they go with me? Yes. Will they go with me? No. And will they go with me? Maybe. And then I took all of the yeses. I didn't even go with maybes and nos. I like deleted them. And, And I calculated the fees that I was making off of them. And then I brought that over to the new company and I created a basic expense, you know, rundown. And then I looked at whether the business would make a profit. Mm -hmm. And now for people listening to this, you can Google anything and get an answer to anything. You really, really can. You, you just have to, and this is such a big thing and, and, and it's, it's hard. And look, I'm not an expert, but you have to trust yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to trust yourself that you're going to figure it out and you're going to build the plane while you fly it. Even <laughs> if you're what, you know, the Colby index A, have you ever heard of the Colby index A? Absolutely. Yep. Okay, so I'm a 9723. I'm a high fact finder, a super duper high follow through and a very low quick start. Like I don't make decisions easily. Me too. Yeah, I just yep. can't do that. 
So I had to just roll with it and run with it a little bit and be like, all right, it's a Jerry Maguire. Who's with me? It's very uncomfortable. That's a very uncomfortable yeah. thing. To, when you're when you're not a quick start person to run with it or roll with it is like asking, you know, a, a lot of a lot of that personality type because we'd like to plan things out. We like to know, you know, potential outcomes. And Mm -hmm. when I started my own business, one of the things that a friend of mine said to me, um, she said two things to me that just struck. And we were, you know, it was a a situation where we were visiting these friends and we were sitting out on their um, patio or their uh, balcony and we were just sipping on some wine. And I, you know, was expressing my concerns and fears and, And she said, so just tell me, Amy, like, what's the worst that's going to happen if you start this business and it doesn't succeed? And I said, gosh, I'd have to go get a job. And she stopped and she said, that's the worst. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I said, okay, I get your point. And she said, but, you know, yeah, I think you need to ask yourself yourself the question, what's the best? Yeah. And that comment, you know, was like, okay, all right. So the best case scenario would be this and the worst case scenario would be that. Okay. And I'll probably be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. That helped those fearful moments. Not to say that I still didn't continue to have fearful moments, but it did help me personally during those moments to think, okay, what's the worst that's going to happen? I'm going to go have to get a job for a company. Now I feel, and you probably do too, that I'm like unemployable because I've had a little too much of the decision-making and the crafting and designing side. So when we talk about building your vineyard, you know, that yeah. I've, I've got to lay out the, the, uh, the actual uh, vines that I want in my vineyard and um, to take that power away would be like pulling all of my teeth, I think. <laughs> yeah. So how are you building your vineyard? Like, what are you doing? This isn't a podcast about me. This is a podcast about you. No, no, no. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. You have to answer the question. I'm putting you on the spot. What are you doing? Tell us. What are you doing to build your own vineyard and how do you feel about it? There's so many things that we're doing, right? So, I mean, we're out there trying to do good things and, you know, we pretty much work with Gen X women, uh, Mm -hmm. predominantly professional women, like attorneys, um, engineers, to educators, that sort of thing. And the, and the things that we're doing around building the business focus on what their pain points are. They are very bright women. They're just also pulled in so many different yeah. directions. Yeah. And our goal is to educate them, not mm-hmm. to not to take it away from them, take the decision-making away from them, but to educate them so sure. that they feel like the decisions they're making are ultimately uh, good for them. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. that's great. I think, how do you find that they like to learn? Is it talking it through? Is it visual? Is it Zoom? Is it reading your book? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you're talking about engineers, they are very different than when you're talking about attorneys. So you have to take into consideration who your audience is at the Mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We find that with our engineering clients, they want data. They want as much data as we can give them. With um, attorneys, they want briefs. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. They want to give me the summary and the supporting yeah. documentation and the highlights and I'll make my decision from there. Yeah. So cool. I think it really depends on, on who we're working with. All of our clients are virtual at this point in time, maybe yeah. the few that we've met with, but, but even the people that are in the same towns that we're in are, are meeting with us virtually for the most part. And we're, we're located in uh, Fort Collins, uh, Colorado is one of our planners. Oklahoma, Oklahoma is another one of our planners. And then I spend half the year in Florida and half the year in New York. So um, we're, we're geographically demo and we have a ton of clients out in LA actually. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So how are you, how are you building yours? 
Um, I, I sat at the beginning of this year to be very, very intentional with the client experience and the center of influence experience. In fact, mm-hmm. um, you know, I learned, um, I studied with, have you heard of Brendan Burchard? Now he, he wrote a book about efficient planner or, um, productive productivity, right? Uh, he's, I mean, he's written a lot of books. Um, he basically yeah. teaches people how to be experts and, how to market. And then there's also like high performance stuff that he teaches. That's the one, the high performance. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, But so I, I did a mastermind with him and, um, I learned a lot of things, but one of the key things I learned from him was so simple, but marketing campaigns, I learned about a marketing campaign and what that means. And to me, what he taught me was that you have to calendar your marketing and have a plan for it for one to two years. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, when they do their marketing, they make ad hoc decisions and they don't see things through and follow through all the way. And I learned that with marketing, when you come up with a campaign or you do something, it really works in months 13 through 24 in the second year. So when we create things that we're trying, whether it's a podcast, a book, a newsletter, a network, whatever it is, if people don't see results in like five minutes, they're like done. Done, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, so what I decided at the beginning of this year is, is I really want to grow again. And I've got a good business and I wanted to grow it again. And I'm like, okay, how am I going to do this? And in my space and probably in yours too, Amy, is there's always this big like push for like virtual assistance, hire a marketing agency, have this person do your newsletter or, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm hiring another employee. So I brought in someone on payroll to do marketing with me, not for me. Cause I, I know how to do it, but I know enough that I can't wear 18 hats in business. So I need to delegate, which, you know, I did. So what I'm doing is creating a client experience that is super cool, unique, way different, and makes them like Seth Godin is like the purple cow or like, wait, what? Oh my God, that's so cool. So we created a, an insane client experience and a really, really cool center of influence experience. And we're going real deep and ninja on it and it's working. And, uh, you know, then, you know, in business, when you have momentum, mm-hmm. you're like, nothing can stop me. Yeah. It's inertia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I find it interesting because I have not done the mastermind group that you're talking about, but we sit down every year as a team and we um, we build out our marketing plan for the future year. Mm-hmm. So from the, the um, blog post topics that we're going to be talking about to the YouTube videos that we're going to be recording to, um, to some extent, the podcast in some way, shape or form. Um, but we know that they're going to be in there and, and, uh, work with, um, we work, the, the team works around those particular topics. That's not to say that if something comes up, like when, sure. you know, when the coronavirus first popped up, yeah. that we didn't pivot just a little bit, yeah. but, but of course, you know, we still got back on track and, and it's amazing the number of people that when they call us or email us, they, they say that it's because they read a blog from four years ago that I, I wrote, you know, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I forgot I even wrote that thing. I know. <laughs> so I know. <laughs> Or they found a YouTube video where I talked about Medicare or something like that. You know, it's it's amazing that you you can't snap your fingers when when people talk about you know what's the the time and energy they should focus 
for marketing. And, and I'm a believer that you just have to give the things that, um, that you can commit to, you know, time and focus to give them that energy and, and then be patient, mm-hmm. which isn't yeah. always easy, but be patient. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so thinking about, okay, so you, you started your own business in 2008. When did you go through the divorce? 2010. Oh my gosh. So you were two years into your business and you're going through a divorce and you're, you're just rethinking life as a general rule. So you're starting about like, you know, if I'm taking it back to the vineyard concept, you're, you're, you're going to replant your vines. Mm -hmm. You're going to, you're going to reset the vineyard to look a little bit differently. And so that's, that kinds of bring us back to what you said about being very intentional and in the moment. How does that implement within your practice now? Or how did it when I first started? I would say now, yeah. but you can talk about that journey. Yeah. Well, I think now, I mean, even though I'm such a high fact finder, follow through planner, I never really had like team meetings. What do we want to focus on? What's important? What are we going to track? What are the drivers that we need to track that are going to give us the results that we want? So how am I being intentional? It's we have a team meeting on Mondays. We have metrics that we track. We have campaigns that we're building. I make lists. I'm also in strategic coach. I mean, that's, I don't know if you've heard of that Mm -hmm. one, but strategic coach is really good for me. Um, And, and just that it's like, I believe in like writing things down, looking at it and talking about it. And it just, it's, I mean, it's what we do as planners with our clients, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we talk about this stuff with our clients and they know about it, but when they talk it through and see some numbers and some goals, it makes it that much more real. And then they take action to get them closer to what they need to do. So we're facilitating our clients' experiences and results. And why can't we do that for us and our business with our team? So we also meet on Mondays, which I, that's why I chuckled when you said that. And we find that that really sets the tone for the rest of the week. And we can see if there's any particular operational issues that are yeah. going on, but also client related. Like, you know, if, if we know something is going, we can talk through that on those particular issues too. And, and we don't, I, you know, we are a remote team, so we all hop on zoom to be able to do that. And, um, you know, that's, that's been one of the things that I think has made us, uh, and, uh, you know, be able to be prepared for when questions come up yeah. as a general rule about different, different client related issues, different, um, internal related issues. So, you know, when you're not walking, working in the same office, it's not like you can just pop in and say, Hey, I, I have a couple of questions, you know, you which is, I think, yeah. Do you ever do any practical jokes? Like, are you a jokester? I'm not. I'm so, Oh, joking. you're not. <laughs> I love practical jokes. I love them. I love funny jokes. And I'm thinking if you have a team meeting on Monday and I have a team meeting on Monday, we should have one giant team meeting. <laughs> they like, hey, they? we have another planner and their employees and it's us. Like we're all going to get together and talk about whatever. I think that would be hilarious. Just as a joke. Not <laughs> they would be like, what? Yeah. No, they, they, actually, they probably wouldn't be all that surprised because they'd be like, okay, what's she up to now? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Just throwing that out there. So thinking about, you know, as you've, if you've gone through your journey, are there, um, you've mentioned a couple of, of mastermind groups that you're part of and some programs that you've gone through. Are there any particular books that you've found most helpful in your journey? Yeah. And, and like, it's hard for me to say this one because it's, it's a little bit different, but I'm going to say it because I'm, this is real, the Torah. So I'm Jewish. And I read the Torah a year ago. It's an insane book. You know, the five books of Moses, the old Testament, mm-hmm. all that Uh, The Torah really has influenced me um, because there is obviously an element of God in the Torah. 
there's an element of um, my history and where I come from. And, and to me, the Torah is about something called faith. And faith is a really, really big word for me mm-hmm. because it consumes everything that we've talked about, not knowing what's going to happen, trusting in myself, knowing that there's a higher power that will be there with me and having the courage to do it anyways and acting and knowing and believing that things will work out. Mm-hmm. So that is your top go-to whenever in life you need to refocus by the sounds. Well, I don't know if it's my top focus, mm-hmm. but just in the last year, I read the whole thing. It's not easy. It's like wow. a dense, you know, I read like, you know, a chapter a week and then there's commentary and all that. So I would just say recently that's been really, really big for me. Um, as far as like, you know, other books, I mean, I got to just, there's, there's so many, um, there's so many, but, um, uh, I'll just go with that one for now. And I've read, you know, lots of business books and blogs mm-hmm. and whatnot, but to me, I go back to that as a reminder that in, even in coronavirus, like we don't have control. We really don't. We think we want it, but like we don't. And we have to be okay with that. And by the way, I'm talking to myself. Mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. just, I'm like, okay, like, oh, this is like month eight. And like, we're still going through it. <laughs> <laughs> Could we get over it, please? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that you recommend that your clients read? Um, it really depends on... Um, where they are and, you know, what they feel that they need. I, you know, I, 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 it just depends on, um, on that. I'll tell you another book that I read recently that I was like, wow, I was blown away by was Ryan Holiday's book. The obstacle is the way. Have you heard of it? Uh, No, I have not. Yeah. It's a, it's definitely a bestseller and it's a book about stoicism and lots of, um, you know, examples of that and how to get through life and business with it. And it's a really, really good book. And um, I recommend that people read it. You need a glass of wine with that one for sure. Okay. Well, we'll put that on our read list. Yeah. We have an internal book club that um, that we're thinking about building for the team uh, for 2021. Uh, so that we like maybe two, it's, it's hard to fit everything in. So we're going to keep it very um, realistic and say, if we could just do two books, it would be great. <laughs> um, but very meaningful. We need, you know, all of us want something that it could be business related, but something that we can all relate to and, and maybe sure. implement. Yeah. So we'll put that one on the list. Would you, um, is you know, right now, obviously we're all going through this really crazy time and, um, and, and it's presented both challenges and it's presented some wonderful opportunities in my opinion. Um, is there anything particular that you would say you're currently, uh, facing or even, you know, challenge your challenging yourself to get through? Yeah, I think, um, managing home and family life and work, and holding the responsibility and space to be that rock for my clients, my employees, and my family. I'm the one who, you know, people lean on and people put the um, responsibility on, even though my wife works and I, my kids are on their way to independence. And, but you know, it's, it's, I'm carrying a lot. I'm carrying way more than I was two or three years ago. And when I say I'm pushing, like I'm growing, I want, I'm growing this business and mm-hmm. I'm doing that much more on myself. So that's what I'm dealing with. And it's not easy, but I'm doing it anyways. But that's again, pushing through the challenge. Like when you think about a vineyard and you think, you know, what if you have a year where it's an extremely wet year yeah. and 
you know, rot could hit that vineyard. Mm-hmm. What does the what does the vineyard manager actually do to work through with the issue? It can't control it. Mm-hmm. It just can't. So yeah. what do you do to deal with the issues that confront us in life from time to time? And we all have them, right? So, um, so you know, it's it, it's tough. I think a lot of people are when they're in the thick of it, um, and right now, like you said, dealing with with very unique times. That you know, we have two people on our team who have kids at home and. They went from being a financial planner with a, a family to trying to integrate being there for all of the clients while trying to figure out the technology that their kids need or mm-hmm. being, you know, a, being more of an educator than they ever anticipated in their life. And um, one of our colleagues, she's got younger kids and they they're so she does such a great job of shutting off the the I'm a financial planner when I get home and being a mom. Yeah. And so for them with her home and then home, it, it's a it's a struggle like mom has a job. Like this is what she does all day long. You know, I've heard the comments that she's made that her kids are saying like you're on meetings all day long. And she's like, yeah, normally I am. You guys just don't see it, you know? And it's, it's been a real challenge, um, to, to watch, uh, to watch her go through that and, and to see the stress that it's created. Yeah, for sure. So, um, moving, moving to one of my favorite questions that I love to ask everybody who's on the podcast. And that is, what is your definition of success? Um, I think it's, I think it has to do Amy with an element of happiness, independence, doing things your way and the journey that you're on. Mm -hmm. What does independence mean to you? Like you don't have to rely on anyone else, but Mm -hmm. yourself. And you have the ability to control your own destiny and define it. Yeah, that's such a that's such a personal word. I think. Yeah. Well, th- sorry. Now let's take let's take it back up to the joking level, yeah. <laughs> and move into the section that we tend to close with, which is the nourish your vine section of the podcast. This is where we take just a few minutes to ask you to provide your number one financial lesson that you've learned in your life and uh, some thoughts around that and and maybe some recommendations of what others might do um, differently, if anything differently, if they're going through something similar. Yeah. Okay. So this is the biggest duh. (laughs) Like everyone will say, and you'll be like, of course, I mean, it's so simple. And like, whatever, but like, it's the real thing. It's all about investing. It's called compounding of interest. (laughs) It's so simple, but we all want like results in four minutes, but Uh, no, compounding of interest is the biggest thing. You know, this is a great opportunity. I'll, I'll, I'll let you explain it, but this is a great opportunity. Um, Sometimes people ask me, there's this thing called the rule of 72. Yeah. Is that something that I should think about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but to 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 you know to what I say to people is well, yes, I understand that that's something that you hear a lot about, but it's the when you really bring it down to the very basic of it, it's about compounding. Absolutely, that's what it's really about, right? Yeah. Um, that if people will invest and continue to invest and automate that investment and allow that money to sit there and and ignore the noise. Yeah. Right. Mm. Then that's what happens when you look back and say, Oh, look, look at that. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry. Just closing a blind. Um, 
but yeah, it's like if you just turn on the TV and everyone's freaking out because the market's down or the market's up or whatever. And if they just said, don't worry, in 10 years, you'll be fine. Compound <laughs> your money. No one would watch TV. Yeah. You know, but I just think compounding, it's such a simple thing, but it, it's, you have to have of uh, you have to have a long-term perspective and understanding that it takes time. Yeah. That's the biggest issue. Well, I have so enjoyed our conversation and I really appreciate the time that you took to, to talk with us. We're going to put some information about your podcast and the book in our show notes. Uh, tell us how people can reach out to you. Um, I mean, they can go to my, my site. Uh, they could go to me on LinkedIn um, I have, I mean, there's all sorts of ways. It's, it's really, I mean, if you're going to have show notes, they can, you know, they can go to my site, which is Crane Financial Solutions. If they want to learn about compounding and automation and all that, <laughs> they can go to a link called intentionmoney.com. And if they, you know, just want to reach out, they can Google me and find me, you know, on social media. And, and you are you located are out. Great. Thank you for oh, interviewing me. You're amazing. And you need to keep this up because it's awesome. Well, thank you, Justin. I will take that compliment and actually, instead of do what I used to do with it, was say, oh, that's no big deal. I'll say thank you very much. Receive, (laughs) receive, receive. It's something that is one of my biggest challenges and struggles. And I'm working very hard on that this year to become better at it. Yeah. I really do appreciate your time. I know it's awful early for you. So thank you so much for, for taking the time. And we can't we we can't wait for people to give us feedback to tell us what they liked about the show, um, you know, rate the show, and let Justin and I know if there's questions. Maybe we'll do a mailbag session one of these times together. So it'd be it would be a delight. Love it. And I and I do love the idea of potentially uh, Zoom bombing the team. <laughs> and that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.